0: Welcome to the Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary.
1: Welcome to the Table. We discuss issues of God and culture. And if you're looking at this table, you probably have a suspicion about what the topic is about. (laughs) Uh, I have with me uh, four esteemed colleagues that I work with here at Dallas Seminary, and they all share one fundamental trait – they're all ladies. And so we are really, really pleased to have you all with us today to discuss the role of women in ministry and how women and men work together in ministry from a decidedly female point of view. So thank you all very, very much. I'll introduce the the panel. I've got over here to my right is Sue Edwards, Associate Professor of Educational Ministries and Leadership here at Dallas Seminary. And Sue, how long have you been at the seminary?
2: I was a student in the 80s. I was on staff in the 90s in the student services and then as a professor about 15 years.
1: Okay, very good. And then to my immediate left is Sandra, I call her Sandy Glahn, Associate Professor of Media Arts and Worship. And how long have you been here on faculty?
3: Student, oh, on faculty, yeah. since 99. Okay. 17
1: years. Okay. And Jeannie Ballard is on the edge of the table over here, Adjunct Professor in Educational Ministries and Leadership and Associate Director of d Studies. And how long have you been here, Jeannie?
4: About eight years now.
1: Okay. And then... By the miracle of Skype, okay, yeah. <laughs> we have Michelle Woody, assistant professor of biblical counseling at the Dallas Theological Seminary DC campus. And Michelle, you're the youngest of this crew in terms of service. But when did you come on board here at the seminary?
5: Came on board in July of
1: 2013. Okay, so um, so we've got a variety of women here doing a variety of things, and I want to open up by just talking about. Uh, how each of you ended up in ministry, and uh, and and uh, we'll just go in order here that I introduced you. And in. so Sue, how did you end up being at Dallas?
2: I grew up in a pagan home, okay. and I was a mess. And I was uh, neighbor invited me to a women's Bible study, and those women brought me in, spent fifteen years mentoring me, and I learned to teach the Bible. And that opened a door. Women made such a difference in my life Mm. that I wanted to pass on just the influence and power that women can be in other women's lives.
1: So you came to seminary and then got trained. I in the, came in, and then we scooped yes, you up. Yes, we <laughs>
2: did. And, and I love being at this place. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's been a dream. I never dreamed I'd be here as a professor.
1: Yeah, well, but
2: it's been wonderful.
1: Yeah, well, it's been a pleasure to have you a part of the team, Sandy. What's your story?
3: I was putting my husband through seminary, working at a financial services corporation, and had a boss who believed I could write. Okay, some corporate money getting getting some training for me, and so I started coming to seminary just to get a few theological classes to make the crossover from secular to Sacred with no intention of ever graduating mm-hmm. from seminary, let alone ever teaching. I had very, very narrow views of what women could do, and mm-hmm. teaching at a seminary wasn't one of them. Okay.
1: So, and, and so then what happened?
3: I had to eat my words. <laughs> 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 um, the, the Lord opened many doors for publishing. I started training writers as an adjunct professor, and eventually we ended up with a media arts program here. And so, and the rest
1: is doing, history, the rest right? The history. Very good. And Jeannie, how'd you end up here, Dallas?
4: Well, um, that's a a long story, because it's about – my affiliation with DTS has been over 30 years now. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I came to Christ, my Young Life leader led me to the Lord, Mm -hmm. and as far as I knew, it was an all-in proposition, so um, I I knew from that moment on I was supposed to go into ministry, Mm -hmm. and I had no idea what that meant. But over the time, the Lord led me to, to attend Biola College, and then after that, it was just one step after another, and he brought me eventually to seminary. Hmm.
1: And, uh, and how did you end up at Dallas? I mean, how did you end up doing what you're doing now?
4: Well, um, like I said, when my husband graduated from DTS in mm-hmm. 82, and we met here, mm-hmm. and um, we did 28 years in pastoral ministry, hmm. and um, so um, as he was in his last pastorate, um, I started Seeking the Lord to see if I could come back and finish my degree at DTS, Hmm. and um, He indicated that that was that was okay. Mm -hmm. And so, actually, I came back to pursue the the men Hmm. and was was um, told that I needed to finish the uh, Master's of Christian Education first. Mm -hmm. So,
1: yeah, it does take a master's to get to a doctorate. So, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
4: I have another master's, but that didn't that didn't qualify.
1: No, 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 no.
4: So that's um, yeah. That's, that's
1: how it happened. That's that and Michelle, happened. what's your what sure. what's your story? You're our counselor, so you know how long have you been feeling like this.
5: <laughs> well, you know, I've been feeling a little bit low for a while. <laughs> <laughs> the weather here is such that um, I'm I'm happy to be on this recording, and I need you to know that I started uh, in business. I. Came. I grew up in a Christian home. I started my career in business. I worked on Wall Street. Mm. And as a result of multiple moves with my husband and my family, I ended up uh, with them moving to Texas. And I started a Bible study that uh, now we all know is Bible Study Fellowship, one of the mm. best Bible studies I've ever been a part of. I ended up being a teaching leader.
2: Mm.
5: I was not familiar with... Dallas Theological Seminary until I had to go for teaching leader trainings, and several professors from Dallas Theological Seminary did the training. So as a result of that, I was familiar with Dallas, and my husband passed a few years ago, and I thought I needed to change my career from what I was doing so that I could spend more time with my family. And decided to get a counseling degree, and I did that at Dallas Theological Seminary.
1: Ah, and they invited you back eventually, huh? To come teach.
5: Yes, they did. Yeah. I was invited back because number one, I started working with a group of children, uh, at-risk children, trying to help them with therapeutic interventions. Hmm. And in the process of doing that, the district, although they were They were happy to hear what I had to say. They thought I should have a teaching credential or at least a a doctorate degree. And so God was gracious, allowed me to go and get a doctorate degree. And now I'm back. I still want to help them in the state of Texas. And now I have a doctorate degree. And. God willing, the district will talk to me about
1: that. Well, good for them. So, I mean, I think it's interesting that we see a little bit of the range of ministry that's Mm -hmm. represented at the table. I'm going to work in reverse order. Michelle, obviously, you're doing counseling and also uh, trying to help advise in a context of a school district and certain kinds of of children in ministry, uh, Jeannie, what, what, are you, what are you doing these days in terms of your, your teaching and interests? What are your main interests?
4: Uh My main interest right now is in uh, mentoring mm-hmm. and coaching. Uh, with discipleship focus, my dissertation was on discipling younger women mm-hmm. in the church, and so that's, that's been my focus. I meet one-on-one with a number of different women, mm-hmm. some on staff, some just other women that are students here.
1: So you're mentoring women who are also headed towards ministry, or are these uh, are there lay women involved, or is it strictly ministry focused? Uh,
3: both. Both. Yeah, both. <laughs>
1: okay, and Sandy, you're a writer, right? I'm a
3: writer mentoring men and women who are wanting to communicate uh, through writing, but also um, gender is a very important part of of what I do here. I teach a course on. On that, and and looking at gender in the church and the roles of men and women, and what are those hard verses talking about? Right, when, um, exegeting some of those, and but also looking at um, sexism, but not just as it applies to women, but men, and looking at justice issues in the church.
1: And you did uh, you did a doctoral work in related to New Testament studies. Why don't you talk a little bit about that?
3: So uh, I had three different exam fields that came together in aesthetic studies. You have to do uh, you have to choose a a period of history. So I chose 100 BC to 180 in Ephesus, Mm -hmm. first century Ephesus. You have to choose a history of ideas about something. So I chose gender. I wanted to know what was masculine in Paul's world, Mm -hmm. for example. And then art was the third one, and and I chose writing. So Mm -hmm. as part of my dissertation, I had to write a novel that we you know weaved the three together, in addition to the the academic. Work on
1: that. Okay, and then and Sue, what do they have you doing here in terms of teaching?
2: I teach men and women to teach. Okay, that's based on how to do ministry in very practical ways.
1: So it's it's pedagogy and mentoring and, and discipleship Adult, and adult,
2: yeah. how to teach adults, mm-hmm. uh, how to create ministry. I think my one of my favorite courses is teaching women to actually teach the scriptures hmm. and uh, how to exegete a passage and then bring it alive. And just watching those women find that they can take what they've learned here and teach it to others is just such a treat. I well, love that as well.
1: Well, it's a marvelous array of gifts we have assembled around the table here. Let me let's dive in uh, and talk about um, your uh, approach to certain questions that relate to ministry, particularly ministry together in relationship to men. And I'm going to issue a confession here at the start, and that is that men sometimes are. Are 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 blind or unaware or insensitive or however you want to say it. I, I know this is true of me, uh, of not seeing certain things simply because, inevitably, many, many times men have a set of concerns that that. And, th- and their world and their lives takes them to places that make them unaware of other things that are going on in the world. And so um, so I want to start off first with kind of a theological base of how you see certain things, and then we're going to talk particularly about that interaction. And that is the first question I'll have for you all is, how does the doctrine of the image of God or your understanding of the image of God inform your ministry? And in particular, I think what I have in mind in asking this question is thinking through um, how you see the early chapters of Genesis and the in the issue of uh, male and female uh, relationships as uh, portrayed in the creation? And I guess Sue, I'm going to start with you.
2: The beauty, uh, the beautiful uh, creation, is two parts, mm-hmm. and I think the Lord did that out of His love for diversity mm-hmm. and seeing them come together and i and the uh, command is to uh, rule the world together mm-hmm. and i think that's what we've missed and mm-hmm. without both the masculine and the feminine we don't have the whole image of god mm-hmm. and so many churches Um, look like one-parent families. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the issue is that for so many years we've had a strong male voice, which is good, Mm -hmm. but we've missed a female counterpart. Mm -hmm. So we have single-parent churches. Mm -hmm. And when that occurs, and especially because the churches, by and large, are made up of w- more women by mm. far, Barnes says about sixty percent. That's right. So, with that in mind, it, it often can happen that the person at the helm doesn't hear what sixty percent of the congregation values, or doesn't give them an opportunity to actually develop. Their gifts and serve. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, has really hampered the church. Okay.
1: Um, uh, I'm going to develop that, but I'm going to let everyone else speak too. So, Sandy? Yeah.
2: Sure. Yeah, I certainly echo
3: that. Sue and I definitely share that. Um, just that that original vi- image in the garden of male and female partnering together, and it's not necessarily married, mm-hmm. male and female. And I don't even th- – I think we make a mistake sometimes when we try to separate what does a woman bring and what does a man bring. I think we're getting into mystery, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's counterproductive sometimes, and mm-hmm. that can even lead to stereotypes, uh, but just I'm trying to always in my ministry make sure that it's not. Segregated. Mm-hmm. That that even when I was doing women's ministry, we involve men in the in the process, uh, just because we felt like we're made in the image of God and we need a partner. So when I have a teaching assistant, I usually try to find a male, mm. just so that we're modeling in front of the students a healthy male female interaction doing ministry together. Um, and I can't tell you exactly what it brings. I can just say that it, it brings something beautiful.
1: Jeannie.
4: Well, I echo the same things. I agree. Um, I think historically we've kind of erred mm-hmm. in in seeing it as a, a patriarchal system,
0: mm-hmm.
4: um, and and then we've gone the other direction. We've kind of shifted over to a power struggle,
0: mm-hmm.
4: and so I think mm-hmm. what God designed originally was a partnership. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the that's the model is that we are we are the image of God together, both parts in partnership with each other, and how that works out is a very. You know, that's what we have to figure out and uh, work on.
1: Yeah, that's why we're having the conversation. Michelle?
5: Sure, and I agree with what everyone has said, but I'd like to emphasize the partnership or co-laboring together. Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve were to co-labor together, mm-hmm. and uh, she was a gift to, to Adam. And so in that regard, I see that not just as, Women have to be married, as was said earlier, to be in a partnership with a man, but women have particular gifts that men, that men don't have, and so we are to exercise those, and what I spend a lot of time doing in counseling is helping women to understand that they have value, even in this male-dominated society, even though there's so many men who are the managers, um, certainly in corporate settings where I've worked, and even to some degree in in the educational setting, um, the men have more dominant roles, but women have gifts that need to be exercised. And so be, we have to be freer to go ahead and exercise those gifts.
1: You know, it strikes me uh, when I think about um, Genesis 1 in particular that. Um, that really the climactic act of creation that God engaged in wasn't just the creation of humanity. It was the creation of, of a woman to complement the man, and I mean complement in a more neutral way than the way some people mean it, uh, and that is in, in a very much in a completion uh, kind of idea that, that really God wasn't done with his creation of humanity until we had the male and the female together uh, operating. And and I think you all are are correct to highlight the fact that the that the assignment was that together they were to carry out the mandate that God had given for people to live out in the world uh, side by side in relationship to one another, supportive of one another, uh, and and that that's a very important dimension of ministry. Michelle, you mentioned something I want to I want to come back to, and that is the idea of women feeling valued and 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 I think the way I want to walk into this conversation and this topic is to is to say that uh, I'm assuming that in the midst of that and in the need to do that that it's easy for women to feel less than valued and and that's why that exhortation is necessary now uh, uh, help me understand uh, understand that need and the flip's question is, and what kind of uh, advice would you give, particularly to men in ministry, to make sure that the women that they minister alongside uh, don't ha- don't struggle with the question of being uh, valued or not?
5: Okay, um, one of the things, Daryl, that we see um, for women, it's always there's some need to define what their role is and. There are so many women uh, especially women even if they started um as independent professionals once they get married now there's the question of who takes care of the kids mm-hmm. who takes care of the house how do we divide the roles and invariably it ends up being that even if there is a sensitive spouse that really does try to participate and help with children help with the housework and the other things that go on goes back to the woman and so in that regard the women feel that they bear the brunt of all of the work inside the home as well as working outside of the home and so that's placed a strain on relationships it's placed placed a strain even on women as they think through what type career path should I have and should I seek? And so recent studies have shown that so many women who work outside of the home, even though they don't um, shy away from managerial positions, they're not always thinking about taking a top level position because of the demands that they have outside of their profession. So I would say for men especially, and it's not just for companies, but also in ministry as well, I think there needs to be a sensitivity to the fact that women have a contribution to make at work, but there has to be some uh, discussion and an open discussion without without uh, apology that there are times when somebody's going to have a temperature at school and I may have to run and pick that child up and take them to the doctor.
1: You're talking about the guy in this case.
5: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 And
5: so many times we, we see that women don't feel that they can, they have that right or that permission to do that in their workplace. Uh, it just seems that it's just not, not always acceptable. Hmm. And so men, on the other hand, say, oh, no, 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 we do value that. But if there's a deadline that has to be met, and you have to leave. There's sometimes tension, and so that's those are some of the things that I like to work through with women and also with couples.
1: Well, uh, I'll ask the ladies at the table. Anyone can speak up to this. What um, other what are other ways that um, that value can either not be communicated or communicated by the way? Uh, women are treated. I think to
3: bounce off what what Michelle said, the assumption that it's the female's job to care for the children. Mm -hmm. If you look at, I mean, that's a very post-industrial revolution Mm -hmm. sort of dichotomy of dad's Mm -hmm. in the factory or away from home, Mm -hmm. and mom's at home. Mm -hmm. And so we tend to say it's ideal for mom to be at home with the kids, but the ideal is mom and dad Mm -hmm. home with the kids. Mm -hmm. And this is is a good development, I think, in technology. A lot more people can work from home and share some of those responsibilities. And the kids are better off if they got, I, I read recently. Kids have a better sense of humor if dads are It's just better for everybody mm-hmm. if they have both parents present. And so you look at the the ideal woman in Proverbs 31, and she's a hardworking woman, and she's selling belts, and she's involved in the in industry, and she's you know looking beyond her home, and she's stretching forth her hand to the needy. And I think sometimes we we think of the 1950s America as the ideal biblical mm-hmm. model, rather than realizing that's a very american post industrial revolution yeah. model it doesn't really translate really well when i go to kenya either yeah yeah, right.
1: yeah. and we could look to the passages and proverbs or you could look to the passages where the home and the Parents and the children are addressed, and it's interesting. The assumption is not yes. that this is mom's job. That's right. And, uh, it's it's very much the this, the assumption that this is also um, very much a man's responsibility mm. in the home. Uh, Jeannie, were you going to well, mention co- something? A couple
4: of thoughts. One, just I, I think just the terminology that we use. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking just recently. I would rather hear people, uh, women, self-identify themselves as work-at-home mothers instead of stay-at-home mothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're working at home, mm-hmm. and many of them are working a job at home as well as working in the home, mm-hmm. just doing the work. Mm-hmm. But uh, when we call them stay-at-home moms, mm-hmm. I just think it communicates something a little different.
0: Mm-hmm. And
4: so I think that would be you know just something to rethink, just kind of the way that we uh, identify ourselves and is and we are identified. The other thing I was thinking about too was that. Um, uh, Oprah Winfrey, when she was uh, leaving her talk show, mm-hmm. she was interviewed, and she said um, she interviewed thirty thousand people, and the thing that they all had in common was the need to be validated.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And she said that that, that what they were, everyone was looking for was to be to feel like they are seen, mm-hmm. they are heard. And what they have to say matters, mm-hmm. and I think that's really that—that's the heart of women. Mm-hmm. That we want to be seen, we want to be heard, and we want to know that what we have to say matters. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's it's a human thing, well. And and we might bring we might bring something to the table a little
2: different, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. for that to be respected.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So what is it that women bring uh, to the church uh, that that? Uh, perhaps uh, we're slow to recognize, and yet it's important for well, the health. Well, I of think offensive. we have
2: to be careful with stereotypes okay. initially, because women women are in every they have every personality type. They have every gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have they're different, and and actually the differences within femininity are just as broad as, in many ways, is the difference between men and women. Mm-hmm. We had. Uh, the book about men are from Mars and women are from Venus, mm-hmm. as if they were two entirely different species. Mm-hmm. I think there are differences, but I think it would be a lot more accurate. We're of the same species to say, well, maybe men are from North Carolina and women are from South Carolina.
1: <laughs> There's some
2: difference, but we, we, we have all the gifts. We bring so much to the table. Now, I do think. If I were to say there are some things that are different, there is some brain research out just shows that our brains are actually uh, made a a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. I think women bring um, a sensitivity at times. Uh, they bring a caring and sometimes an insight mm-hmm. that is very very helpful in when you're ministering to people, mm-hmm. and that's what the church is about: is mm-hmm. ministering mm-hmm. to people. Yeah. Um, so, but but I am careful, and I think possibly but some of the stereotypes that we've been oh, we, all women are this way, all men are that way is is partly, and this is a controversial statement, but to has had an influence on our culture and the craziness of all people are are doing crazy things with gender now.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
2: think part of that is because we had this little box of, of right. men and this little box of women and children grew up and said, I'm not quite like that. I don't that. fit the norm. Though. I yeah. don't fit yep. the norm. There mm-hmm. must be something so, yeah. wrong with yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Instead right. of realizing that God makes sensitive men and men who are not so sensitive, God makes women who are too assertive. We all have a sin nature, and we all have gifts, and we need to develop them and love each other and work together in biblical parameters and in ways that we all need to live the fruit of the Spirit.
0: God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture.
1: Now, Sandy, you said you've done work in gender. So I imagine this question is one that you're also uh, particularly sensitive to. So what's your take on on what women uh, provide for the church? I I, I can sign on to the sensitivity part.
3: I I share uh, Sue's concern. I don't want to say women are more sensitive. Compassionate than men, okay? right? Like the minute you start saying, yeah. uh, or or you could even say, yeah, women do better on SATs than men. I mean, men do better than women on SATs, but you're only talking about like one percent. You're not talking about <laughs> you know three percent of women down here in ninety seven. <laughs> well, men here. make better grades. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're both right. right. sides. But and and then you're like, are we making better grades because we have fewer responsibilities? Typically, I mean, who knows the the reasons? And I think the minute we start trying to assign. Something as innate is when we get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things that women bring to the table is what any minority brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Is just I'm I'm from a perspective that is different from the majority mm-hmm. view or the power view or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, we all benefit. The more diversity that we have,
1: Jeannie.
4: This is what I love about this this time in history Mm -hmm. for women Mm -hmm. in the church, Mm -hmm. because uh, this is the first time in in the history of the evangelical church that we have women who have been theologically trained, Mm -hmm. and what we are bringing to the study of Scripture and the interpretation of Scripture, the eyes that we're bringing to verses that have been taught to us from a particular perspective, um it's it's exciting it's mm-hmm. exciting and i love seeing our young women students and what they're what they're seeing and that it's that it's informed by study of the scripture and the languages and and so that's what i what we're bringing now is is a really exciting by this time in history I think
1: yeah I uh, I, I agree I mean I, I think that there are there are inevitably questions uh, of well let me I'll, I'll tell you a story there, there's someone who does New Testament work who I respect very much in another school who has looked at uh, what I'll describe as and this will sound stereotype but it isn't meant that way who has looked at issues of everyday life okay mm-hmm. And I'm sure that part of the reason she's been drawn to this kind of study is because she understands elements of everyday life that, generally speaking, a man wouldn't even be thinking about. And so and – it, and it opens up uh, the study of the Scripture and the way in which people lived and functioned in ways that you just didn't even wrestle with or think about very much. Michelle, I'm, I'm not – Passing you by here, you have something to add to the question on what women bring to the to the table.
5: Sure, I did. One of the things I think we need to also uh, talk about is just the practical, um, positive nature of women in a church setting. Women are very good at filling in the gaps. Mm -hmm. There's so many things involved in ministry, particularly with larger congregations, programs, ministries, things that are going on all the time. And oftentimes, at least I've seen it in my context, and as I've moved around the country, I've seen it, women can just get right in there and just whatever needs to be filled in, whether that be working, transporting kids, taking care of kids, helping with decorations, helping with whatever needs to happen to help the ministry go forward, they're there. And uh, I think that that's, that's one one element of this that we need to consider. The second is just Women are very good at uh, community and just being a part of community, bringing people together. It's interesting that even though Jesus had male disciples, it's interesting that it was often women who kind of came together on their own to walk alongside of him in ministry.
1: Yeah, and they're and, often portrayed, at least in the Gospels, in a way that shows that sometimes they're more sensitive in getting what's going on than the men are. So um, uh, um, so that's an interesting – I mean, uh, you know, it's the women who are hanging around the cross when Jesus is yeah. being crucified. The men have gone elsewhere. Um, so uh, it's an interesting question. Well, let me – I'm going to shift gears a little bit here, and then I'm going to – what are some – and I'm going to say it this way – it may not be the best way to ask the question, but what are some innocent things that male coworkers do? That can make you feel marginalized, and and so this is, this is the time to, to help us. to uh, 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 so let you start.
3: Treating the woman as the temptress, you you know, you walk on an elevator, and a man walks out because he's not going to be alone with you on an elevator. You're uh. like, really? Am I that threatening? It's just, it's insulting. <laughs> yeah. Um, would you treat your mother that way? Mm. Treat us like sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can certainly appreciate the deep desire to have moral purity, mm-hmm. but often that deep desire ends up excluding women. Mm. It means you can't be at the conversation, it means you can't be in the office. Um, and not only that, you have you have so much going on with same-sex attraction. It's not just men and women that are tempted by each other, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, But it, it tends to be women that sort of get pushed to the side. Um, there are times too in the boys' club when you know the men on staff will go out and play basketball together, and you know it's like you know can't be a cheerleader, right? Yeah, yeah It's like you, <laughs> you know they're going to have
1: important conversations.
3: Yeah, yeah That yeah. you have something to say, yeah. but you know, uh, sorry, it's not the boys' club. Yeah, um, it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 like a family.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So, what you're saying—I'm parsing this a little bit. What you're saying is the events that you choose for ministry staff to participate in as kind of a group event, you need to be sensitive to the fact that you have women in the group Mm -hmm. and that they're a part of the uh, part of the uh, equation. Jeannie, what do you what do you how do how do we marginalize you?
4: Well, it was—I had an interesting experience when I served as the um, acting director while my boss was on sabbatical. I was on the Academic Affairs Committee, mm-hmm. and I believe that I was the first woman to sit as a de- department person, mm-hmm. uh, an academic department person, um, in that committee meeting. And um, it just was interesting, because a, a few times where I made comments about something, uh, inevitably there would be a response that, oh, that's because you're a woman, you picked up on that, mm-hmm. and maybe so, mm-hmm. and I think it was – you know, that was to be an affirmation but sometimes just having, you know, your gender pointed out pointed mm-hmm. out as you know like, maybe oh, it's because I'm genie that I noticed that.
1: <laughs> yes, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so, uh, it's yeah.
5: interesting. Yeah, Michelle. Daryl, I just have to say a couple of things. One is, oftentimes, uh, especially um, at lunchtime, just simple example. Lunchtime, mm-hmm. it's time for the group to eat.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: I've had men at times to say, if I ordered a salad, well. Does that salad have manly things in it? What is a salad with manly food
0: in it? Oh man.
5: <laughs> it have a salad with meat in it, or else it's not a salad that we can all eat. So that's something that um, that I've run across. The other is send
1: that, me that list, will you? I want to know what's included <laughs> in that manly salad.
5: Gotta the box. <laughs> Gotta fit the box. You've got to fit the, box <laughs> uh, the, the the other would be if um if my voice became elevated um is it that are you being emotional is it that time of month that's a very insensitive comment that Mm. has been made and i would hope that most um men now they don't do that as often but that's something that i think um that that i think is really uh something that men need to be aware of um excluding women based on the sport that they're talking about um you know, Monday morning quarterbacking.
3: Some of hmm. us love the Cowboys.
5: We I went to you know, actually, very oh, large <laughs> <laughs> We can converse about yeah. it, there, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, because I've gone to large schools, I do know sports, and I really can talk yeah. about them and be in the pools and do fantasy football, and it's great. But not everybody can. So That's interesting. That you know, fake. if you watch yeah.
1: ESPN this, these days or things like that, there are a lot of women yeah. weighing in on what's going on in sports. Oh, yes. yeah. oh yeah. So, uh, Sue?
2: There there have been times when I have been assigned um, to to do something by my department chair, and I have interacted with men who I needed their input, I needed their participation. And it's they have they. It's been very obvious that they they can't they. First of all, they can't really validate that they have to. They have to get my chair to let them know that I'm in charge of that. Mm-hmm. And, and that can feel very. I don't even know the word. It just demeaning. Um, <laughs> demeaning. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had sure. that happen several times. Hmm. Um, There have been times in meetings, and if you end up being the only woman initially, Mm -hmm. when there are several women, things begin to change Mm -hmm. a little bit. But when you're that first woman in that staff meeting or in that prayer time, it's very typical that you will be completely overlooked. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I've, I've actually heard this story told to me more than once by more than one woman, where there's been a staff meeting and people are introducing the either the new people brought on staff or whatever. The woman's completely passed over, or when it comes time to give a testimony, as yeah. the new people come, the woman is completely passed over and that well, kind of thing. Or she's called
2: the prettiest face in the room, right? But, right. but her credentials, I've heard right. a woman. Who who was introduced and her credentials were not mentioned at all. Yeah. She was called the prettiest face on the team uh-huh. and the men and, the, of, yeah. Uh, yeah, and yeah. the men yeah, the were all, all given uh, all their degrees and what they did. Hmm. Those kinds of things happen in churches and in institutions it, it's, it just takes a few of those little things to make to shut somebody down.
1: Okay, let's flip the let's flip the image because uh, I I'm feel beaten up.
3: Uh. <laughs> 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 you
5: right. You're doing good. That's we right. appreciate
1: you. Uh, uh, so, so you can let's, breathe
5: w- in. You uh, can breathe out. Uh, that's, right. that's
1: right. Slow. Breathe no. slowly. No. Okay, now um, and let's flip it around. And that is um, where are the situations where you felt empowered or encouraged oh, by a male coworkers? Okay. Yeah. Yes. So, so what are the things that get done where you go, yeah, I mean, they, they get it, and man, is it a joy to be working with this crew. Um, Michelle, I'm going to let you start with this one.
5: Okay, I'll start with uh, just a, a recent example uh, right here in Washington. You know, we are beginning our counseling program. We're starting our classes here in spring of 2017. And I will say that my department chair came up to join me to um, encourage me in going out to talk to all of the various licensure boards um, in the the, uh, DMV area. So uh, rather than us being in Texas where we have one licensure board for all those students who plan to be licensed professionals after graduating from our program, it's a fairly simple process. We know it most of us are licensed in texas and so that's great but this is a new venture here having to work with the various ones and he said look you go for it i want you to get out there you're the best person for it since you've worked on the east coast you know this area i want you to take the lead to do it that's encouraging Mm-hmm. And that helps in knowing that, you know, there's, there's support there, mm-hmm. uh, both from, uh, you know, the office, the campus here, and also in, in Texas, and that's great. Mm-hmm. that's
1: great.
5: That's unusual, though. Yeah. Not everyone has that type of support.
1: That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jeannie, what, what, do you, what do you find affirming? Uh,
4: well, when I, when I got my D-man, I went in and talked with the department head and, and asked, you know, what are, what are my possibilities for teaching here at DTS? and he said well you know it's not a lack of intelligence it's not a lack of of ability it's a lack of opportunity and so he said so let's think about what kind of you know what we can do to get you opportunities mm-hmm. and so he he then took the initiative to he gave me ideas people to talk to and and uh, places to to. So he
1: really came alongside you and affirmed your ministry. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. and
4: and it's the men who opened the doors here, mm-hmm. and so I am very grateful for the men who have been willing to open the doors for me, and there've been there've been a few that have really gone to bat for me.
3: Sandy? I, I can echo that that uh, multiple times. Um, it's required somebody with influence, even even you doing this, like somebody uses their mm-hmm. influence mm-hmm. and says, I'm going to spend part of my cred mm-hmm. um, opening a door um, mm-hmm. and, and adding other voices. I can think of a specific time, though, that I also appreciated. I was walking down the hall with the professor who was mentoring me. And another professor said, Every time I see you, you're with that woman. And mm-hmm. it was this awkward moment. Mm-hmm. And he just didn't miss the guy I was with didn't miss a beat, he said, and isn't she a blessing? Mm-hmm. And just kept like he wasn't gonna yeah.
0: let it yeah. go there, and yeah. he wasn't
3: gonna let me feel demeaned by that. Mm-hmm. Just let it bounce off and I I really
2: appreciated that. Mm-hmm. I was just his colleague.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Sue? Oh gosh, and I've I've got two I want to talk about. Okay. One is in the church, it was an executive pastor who hired me and I'll never forget – well, he he would come sit in my office, he'd just lounge in the chair and he'd say, what is it that you need? Mm -hmm. It was – he was Mm -hmm. there, he was open, he he cared so much that I Mm -hmm. succeed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here at DTS, I wouldn't be here if it weren't Mm -hmm. for um, Mike Lawson, actually, who was – who who sponsored me, Mm -hmm. who brought me in, and who sat in a class for two years while we were getting our credentials because we didn't have them. Mm -hmm. And he sat in that class, a very busy man, and just so we could teach. Mm. Uh, My boss now uh, goes to bat for us in in incredible ways. I can't tell you, there have been many men who have... um, Come alongside and made a tremendous difference, and I'm I will bless them till the day I die. I am so grateful, and they are really the ones that make a difference. And we thank you mm-hmm. for even doing this. Yes. That that shows that um, I mean it's it's really the men that are going to. Going to help us overcome
1: this. Well, now I feel so much better. I don't know what to ask <laughs> next. <I> mean, <laughs> again.
2: Uh, yes. but yeah, that I was great. That.
1: that was a great three minutes. Can yeah. we go through that again? Uh, but um, let me let me let me move on uh, and and ask this question. Name some of the issues that you think women face that are often overlooked by their male counterparts. And what I have in mind here is kind of the things that we teach and talk about that that end up. Um, being kind of not on the table. Let me give you one that, that I've become uh, sensitive to. Maybe I'll give you two quick ones uh, that I've become sensitive to. One is um, the whole area of infertility, okay? Uh, to be honest, uh, f- f- what, 60 years of my life, I probably haven't thought very much about it uh, other than when I meet someone who's gone through that and extend sympathies. But I, but I don't think about what the impact of that is, where that comes from, where that deep concern uh, lies, and, and it's become clear to me and as I've interacted more and more, particularly with, the, with my female colleagues here at, at the seminary and interacting with the women on our staff, um, how important an area this is and how it's almost never directly addressed uh, other than by women, and it would I think it would be fascinating to watch a man step into that conversation mm-hmm. and see what they have to say in this and uh, so so that's really one of the, the second example uh, comes from Linda Martin uh, I'm giving her credit I, I there's an illustration that I love to do about faith at work and it starts with how we how we can appreciate what it takes to have Wheaties at the table I shared this in faculty <laughs> yes. just a few weeks ago y'all are laughing because you were there mm-hmm. and of course I start with the farmer okay who plants the grain and then it goes through a sequence and there's a huge sequence of workers, all kinds of people, you know, go through the grain, the milk, the bowl, the table, the house that you're in. And think about the myriads of people that make it possible for you to sit and have a nice bowl of Wheaties in the morning. She walked up to me after it was all done and she said, you didn't mention the wife, okay, who fixes the meals and takes care of that farmer who plants that grain, who gets the whole thing going. And I looked at her and I said, that's good, Linda, you're right. So, uh, uh, I mean, I mean, and, and I'm sitting here going, man, I mean, that think about how much of the world takes place without that person who's there lending their support and really serving in a major way um, so that, so that other, other things get freed up so that they can be done. And in one sense, that's a, that's a bad stereotype, but it also is a helpful one because it shows how much we take that particular mm-hmm. activity for granted. Uh now we're mm-hmm. we're short on time, so this has gotta be brief, but go ahead, go for it, Jeannie.
4: Well I was I was just thinking about this this, this week as mm-hmm. we're getting ready for Christmas. Uh-huh. And I, I wanted to bring up, okay, who who makes Christmas happen at your house? Yeah. And, and It's
1: who, not me, I'm a and, Scrooge. And, and, and who, it's my husband actually.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have know, everything from the costumes the kids have to wear to mm-hmm. all the cooking, the shopping, the all of it. But who gets the credit? Santa. Yeah, <laughs> that's a ripoff.
1: Yeah. I agree. That's an absolute yeah. ripoff. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll throw in spiritual gifts. I yeah. think um, we tend to think of women as having the gift of encouragement. If you mm-hmm. have women with the gift of leadership, women with the gift, you, men with the gift of helps. Mm-hmm. Um, in our in our home, I have the gift of teaching, and my husband has helps. And sometimes people think we're messed up gender wise mm-hmm. <laughs> because he's going for the coats in the closet, and I'm one to pray over the guests, you know, before they leave. Uh-huh. Um, and what's sometimes assumed as gender confusion is actually just a, a confidence in, in how God has gifted us to minister. And I
1: actually think it's important for, for couples to work out those roles mm-hmm. and to have it work out in, yeah. in terms of their own relationship yeah. to one another, that sometimes we get. Uh, we get a a, a mixing or, or an expectation layered over us. I know I had this when I was an elder at our church and and I had, I give Sally space. I mean, it'd be a simple way to say it. And I let, I try and get her to affirm. So she was doing certain things that traditionally would be something a man was supposed to do. But I was quite pleased and she feel very affirmed in doing it. So I'm not going to let them dictate to me how my marriage exactly, works. Right. Exactly. Uh, no. I'm, I'm going to say this is how we work together mm-hmm. and how we Function together. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sitting here talking fast because our time is literally running out, and I just want to stop and thank you all for taking the time to come in and talk about this. I, it's an important topic. We have just, I say this all the time, but I really mean it in this case, which is also what I say all the time. We have just scratched the surface on this topic, but you ladies have helped us get oriented and I appreciate you taking the time to come in and be with us and we appreciate you for coming being with us on the table and hope to see you again soon
0: thanks for listening to the table podcast for more podcasts like this one visit dts.edu slash the table dallas theological seminary teach truth love well